Jonathan leads international ministry uh, for UCM on Western's campus, and um, uh, we have the honor of hearing from him as he continues our teaching in the Who is Jesus series. So thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, like Tim said, I'm, I work with our college ministry up at Western. I'm one of the campus pastors there. What Tim didn't say is that at 8 o'clock last night, I started to get a runny nose and watery eyes. And it was too late to call anybody and say, I can't do the sermon. So the good news is there's like some really personal parts to the sermon. So you won't know if I'm crying or if it's just the cold. So I'll leave that up to you to guess. Um, I also want to say congratulations, everyone, for making it through the holidays. Give yourselves a hand. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, good. Um, Some of you love the holidays. Some of you don't. I I really do like them. It's a lot of travel for us. We were in Spokane with my wife's family for a while, and then Seattle with my family, and we made it with our six-month-old daughter, and um, it was great. What I have found it, with both of our families, and maybe you found this too if you, if you see family over holidays, there are certain things that we've just decided not to talk about anymore as with our families. Maybe for you it might be politics and your family, if your family's religious like mine, you don't talk about certain theology things. Maybe if your family's in another part of the country, you don't talk about the Seahawks with such fervor and awe as you would here. Um, Yeah, there's things we don't talk about. And I've also found, even in preparing this sermon, I was thinking, this is a topic that, as a culture, we've sort of decided not to talk about because it's a little uncomfortable and it's scary also, and we just don't like to talk about those things. Um, But we're in this series, like Tim said, called Who is Jesus? About how Jesus meets the various needs in our lives and I would, th- I would say that the need that we're talking about this morning, this topic that we don't talk about as a culture, is probably one of our deepest needs as human beings. This is one of our deepest needs, and yet we don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, it's something that we at times make light of and joke about, which I know that's how I deal with things that I'm uncomfortable with or afraid of is I use a lot of humor. I try to be funny. Um, And so it was a challenge for me to write a sermon that wasn't just, I didn't keep going back to that uh, because it's something I don't necessarily want to talk about all the time. Um, This is this thing that we don't like to talk about is there are whole industries in our country to help us forget that it exists. Uh, There is scientific research being done uh, um, to help reverse it so it doesn't happen. And I saw an advertisement for for something that's intrinsically connected to this thing, and it didn't mention it at all um, because we don't want to talk about it. And that thing that we don't talk about is death. As a culture, we really don't like to talk about dying. And I think it's because partly because we're afraid of it. Um, The industry that I talk about is the health industry and the beauty industry. They try to make us forget that we're aging, or at least that we don't look like we're aging, because we don't want to think about that. Um, There's there's some research being done into cryonics, which is where you freeze a body as soon as death happens in the hopes that someday our technology will allow us to revive a brain and therefore reverse death. 
um, the ad that I saw was for life insurance, which obviously is intrinsically connected to death. That's the point of life insurance. But the ad was all about protect your family, provide for your family, and it never said when you die because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. It's, it was very careful, even though that's obviously what it's for. Um, for some of you, at this time of year, it, um, death is fresher in your mind. That's true for me because um, at Christmas is when my grandma and my aunt would always be there and they're not anymore. It's, so there's these two empty chairs at our table at Christmas, and so it reminds me about death every year. It reminds me that they were there, and they're not now. And so if Jesus is going to satisfy our deepest needs, then I hope that he has something real to say about death. If he can't respond to death, then I don't know what, what the point of all these other needs would be. And so we're going to read, as we have been, we're going to read a story about Jesus this morning from the Bible, in which we see how Jesus responds to the death of one of his friends. And I realized in preparing the sermon how many questions even I have about death, how many things I don't understand, how many things I wish that God would help me understand. And there's no way, I mean, first of all, Jesus doesn't answer all of my questions about it. And um, in one story, there's no way to get at all of those things. But I hope that this morning we'll be able to just take out a couple of things that we notice about the way that Jesus responds to death that might help us as he responds to death in our lives, too. So the other things, the other questions we'll have, we'll have to explore together in other ways. But I do think that there are things that, that Jesus would want to say to us this morning through this story. So we'll find this story in John chapter 11. And you can turn there if you have a Bible, if you'd like. If you don't um, know where that is in the Bible, that's fine. Just ask someone around you, or um, we'll have the words on the screen, too. Um, and the story begins in the first part of the chapter when one of Jesus' friends dies. His name is Lazarus, and he gets sick, and he dies. And Jesus and his followers go to see um, his sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, who are also their friends. And so we'll pick up the story when Jesus and his disciples arrive, and, and um, they get to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. So it's John 11, and we'll start at verse 17 says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany, uh, which is where they lived, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? I'll stop there for a minute. And a lot of you probably know the end of the story. But I think it's important um, as we see how Jesus responds to death to put aside the end of the story first. Um, to actually enter into what they experienced. Martha and Mary didn't know the end of the story. And so um, for us to... to pretend at this for a moment that we don't know what's going to happen. And the first thing I see about how does Jesus respond to death, as I, re as I read through this, how, Jesus, how do you respond to death, um, is, is verse 35. And I think that's where it's very, imp very important that we start there. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And so we're not wrong to weep. We're not supposed to be happy when we talk about death. Even if we believe what Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, we grieve. And when we do, we're like him. Death is still a thief. Death is our enemy. And we are not supposed to just accept it as part of life and move on. And we're not supposed to say, it's okay because we're Christians. No, Jesus wept. So if you felt guilty ever because you grieve about death, John would say to you, Jesus wept. And the prophet Isaiah said the Messiah would be a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He said, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Jesus wept. He took our pain. He bore our suffering. He knew what death meant. So I hear Jesus saying in his tears, weep over death. Grieve the loss. Death is a thief. There's actually a lot of emotion in this story. Um, how many of you saw the movie Son of God? It came out about a year ago in the theaters. Few. Um, you may have loved it, and that's great. 
Uh, that's allowed. We can have different tastes in movies. But there was, for a couple of particular reasons, I hated it. Um, I went with an international student from Vietnam. He's a friend of mine. He's not a Christian, but he wanted to go with me because I am a Christian. He said, I really want to know. I, I want to see this with you. I said, okay. And he loved it. He said, this is a great movie. I learned so much. And he said, what did you think? I said, oh, I hated it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. And this, this story was one of the reasons that it was hard for me. Um, and this happens in every good book that's made into a movie. And I don't know why, but it happened in Narnia, and it happened with Harry Potter, and it happened with The Hobbit as well, and the Gospel of John. <laughs> um, but when you have a line in a book that's just incredibly written and it's so powerful, and you're going to do that scene in the movie, why not use the line from the book? In that movie, when, when Martha comes to Jesus, she says, my brother is dead. And I think it's really important that Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary says that too. And I think it's important because I've said that to him. My, um, my freshman year at Western, my best friend's dad died. And I went back to Seattle, where I'm from, to be with their family for the weekend. And I said to God, if you had been here, Terry wouldn't have died. He was a good man. He was faithful and trustworthy and joyful and fun and a good dad. And he shouldn't have died. And it's important to me that Jesus responded to Martha and Mary that he didn't say, excuse me, don't take that tone with me. And he didn't say, cheer up, why are you so gloomy? And in that, I hear Jesus saying, be angry about death. It's okay to be mad about it. It's okay to be frustrated and angry. Death is a thief. And we want it to stop. In verse 33, John says that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit. And I always thought that meant that he was sad until I did some reading about this passage. And um, the word that, that John uses is the same word that they would use for like a farm animal, like a horse when it's snorting and it's angry. And they use it for people in that way. That was to say he was deeply movement, he was deeply upset and angry. He was angry about death. He's frustrated at the way that it robs people, the people that he loves. And he, want, he has righteous anger and wants to do away with it. So he weeps over death. He's familiar with our grief. And he's angry with us. When we come to him and say, I'm angry about this, he is too. And we can't skip this part just to get to the end. Oh, yeah, go for it. We can't skip it. We have to weep. We have to be angry. We don't move on quickly because I'm a Christian, after all. Death is supposed to make us sad. Death is supposed to make us angry. You're right to feel these things. Jesus felt these things. 
So for those of us who have experienced death closely, I think this is really important. And this is what the Lord is saying to you this morning. And as we read on in the story, I think he also wants to speak to those of you who live um, with a fear of death. Uh, If you're a person who's afraid of death, you're very normal. Um, Especially, I think, in a culture like ours that tries to hide from death and pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, But this second part of the story, I think Jesus really has something to say to those of us who are afraid of death. So we'll keep reading. And picking up verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And this is what Jesus speaks into our fear. Going back to his conversation with Martha, remember that he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha understands this. She says, yes, yes, at the last day, there will be a resurrection. We're raised to life. And it's going to happen. I know that there's an end coming. She says, a future when God establishes his rule again and makes things right, and there will be a resurrection. Her theology is really solid. And she hears Jesus. She looks to the future. And um, I think that Martha can teach us something about that because we get really caught up in what happens to me right after I die, like immediately. Uh, but unfortunately for our curiosity, the Bible is a lot more concerned with the last day. What happens at the return of Jesus when God sets everything right? What happens then? And so uh, N.T. writes a, a New Testament scholar, and he says, instead of life after death, which we're always thinking about, The Bible is pushing us to think about life after life after death. What happens then? And Martha got this. At the end of all things, she says, he will be physically raised to resurrection life. I know, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I bring this up because um, I think it's important for us to to press ourselves there, as the scripture does. And and for me, it's been important because... um, I, even growing up and stuff, I didn't always understand the appeal of life after death because I love to sing, but I thought that we were just going to sing forever. (laughs) And I thought that sounded awful. Um, And so if that is your impression, as it was for me, if that's your impression of uh, how Jesus responds to death, then you might not think that's a really great response. Uh, as a permanent solution, that we'd sort of be disembodied in heaven, singing somehow. Doesn't sound great. Um, But if we want to know what the Bible teaches us, and we we can set aside some of our preconceived ideas of what that is like, instead of focusing on this immediate what happens, but what is 
what is the end when, when God restores the world? It's a, it's a resurrection. It's a physical resurrection. It's real. It's wholeness, and it's, uh, the Apostle Paul later will say that we're raised imperishable, but he doesn't say intangible, and that's important to me because it's still real. We're physical beings, and it's still real when we're raised to life. He says we'll be raised imperishable. We won't die again, but it's physical, so it's so real. So Jesus says, think of the future, Martha. He will be raised, but let me show you who makes that possible. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. This raising of the dead, he says, I will do it, which is starting to push her good theology. (laughs) Let me show you, he says. So when he raises Lazarus to life, he's saying, I am giving you a sign that you can trust me. You can trust me to do this. There is a future hope for death, and you don't have to be afraid. He brings that future resurrection into the present in a small way for Lazarus. I will do it, he says. So in power, he responds. Lazarus, come out, and he does. And only Jesus can command in this way. Death is a thief. It is our greatest enemy. And yet, Jesus can command it with power and say, there is victory. There is power over death. It is not the final answer anymore in him. And so if Jesus has this kind of power, And in trusting him, we don't have to fear death anymore. There's a lot that's still unknown, but we know that death is not final. He showed us by raising Lazarus and then by himself coming back to life. He showed us he can reverse death. Don't have to be afraid. So in this story, just the one story about Jesus' response to death, um, I find that it presses our, our silence about death as a culture um, and our, our, our need to hide from it. Uh, it presses us and it challenges us not to avoid it anymore. And so there, there could be a few reasons I thought of that we have that, things that I've mentioned. And so I want you to think about this for yourself. Um, maybe you... Uh, try to hide from death and not face it, maybe because you felt pressure with the death in your life not to cry, not to weep, to be happy. Maybe it comes from a culture that tries to pretend that death doesn't exist. We don't want to age. We don't want to look old. We don't talk about it. Maybe that stops you from weeping because there's pressure not to. And so instead of that, Jesus this morning invites you to cry. And to allow him to weep with you. He won't just tell you to cheer up. Grieve and mourn and cry and let your tears flow. Tell him how crushed you are because of what death has taken from you. I think it's amazing to me that our God would cry with us about death. So he invites you this morning to weep. Or if you have 
um, felt pressure not to be angry. Maybe that even comes from within your religious world, not to be angry about death because, because Jesus brings resurrection. Jesus says to you this morning, bring me your anger. He, inv- he invites you, like Martha, to run out of the house to him and say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can say that to him. He doesn't come to you with rebuke for that feeling. It's really important. So you can do that. Be angry and let him be angry with you about it. Or maybe uh, you're silent about death because you're afraid. Maybe you are really scared to die. That's normal. But Jesus is inviting you beyond normal in our culture. He is inviting you to hear him say, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. I've given you a sign in Lazarus. That future is real. You don't have to live your life in fear of death anymore. You don't. In the the book of Hebrews says that Jesus came, the reason he came was to set free those who all their lives had been held in slavery by their fear of death. If you've been held in slavery, if you are terrified of dying and you don't talk about it and you avoid thinking about it, Jesus says this morning, I can set you free from that in a very real way. He gave you a promise. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So you're invited this morning to weep. You are invited to be angry and you're invited not to be afraid any of those things resonate with you, Jesus is inviting you to that this morning. As we sing and respond, I want you to think about those things. So let's, let's do that, and I'm going to pray for us. Lord, um, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to cry with you and to be angry with you and inviting me not to be afraid anymore about death. And I pray that for us, for everyone here, Lord, that we would find you present with us in uh, the death that has touched our lives in our own fear about our own death. Be present to us, even this morning, Lord, as we respond to you. Uh, We invite you to say these things to us and to be with us. Because of your Son and his power, and his identification and weeping with us. Because of him and in his name we pray. Amen.